this. I preached a series of sermons in our own church, and then I condensed it into one sermon. And uh, a lot of people may not agree with me on it, but I realized that they didn't agree with the Lord Jesus Christ, and so a lot of them aren't going to agree with me on everything that I say. But uh, I want to bring a message this morning on the Bride of Christ, the Bride of Christ. In the book of Ephesians, in the fifth chapter and verse 21 through 32, we'd like to read these verses. In the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 21 through 32. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, as the, Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Now this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. As we look this morning, we realize that the Lord uh, in his word here tells us that it is not good that man should be alone. Back in the beginning, we see that God said that it's not good for man to be alone, and he prepared and helped me for him. And then also the scripture teaches us that the man is the head of the woman. We're living in a day in which that people are rebelling. I don't believe so much against their husbands as they are rebelling against God when they do not want to be in subjection unto their own husband. They're literally rebelling against God. She is to be in subjection, the scripture says, to her own husband, not somebody else's, but unto her own husband. And this is a great teaching here, I believe, concerning the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, as we look at it, we see the Lord Jesus, I believe, in verse 32. He says, this is a great mystery. This is something that many people are looking at, and they say, we don't understand it. But he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I want us to go back in the Old Testament for just a little bit 
and look at a time in which that Abraham was ready to die, or he was coming to the end of his life, and he calls his servant Eliezer in. The scripture tells us here that it was one of his servants, and Eliezer was his older servant. He was one who had charge of his household. And so he says to Eliezer, he says, I want you to place your hand in my thigh, and I want you to make a vow unto me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to promise to me that you will go back to my people and you will select a wife for my son. I don't want him marrying anyone in this land. I don't want him to marry in the people here. But I want you to go back to my people back here where that we came from and select a wife for my son. Then as you go back there and you try and you search out a wife, as you go there, uh, then you will be free from this vow or this promise that you've made unto me. And so we see that, uh, that Eliezer did this very thing. In Genesis, the 24th chapter, and verse 12 through 15, I want to read this, and even on into the 16th verse. In Genesis 24, verses 12, and he said, O Lord God of my father, or my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Now this is, Eliezer has gone on his way, he has taken some jewelry, he's taken changes of clothes and various things, and he goes back, and as he goes back, he's concerned. He wants to find the definite one that God wants to be a wife for Isaac. And so he prays unto God, and he asks the Lord to show him, God lead me to this right one. He had raised the question, he says, now suppose that I go there, and I find the one that I believe to be the wife for Isaac, and she doesn't want to come. Abraham says, then you will be released from this. But as you go, this is what I want you to do, find a wife, and she'll be willing to come and to be the wife of Isaac. He says in the 13th verse, Now, behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down the pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camel drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, he was praying, he was talking unto God, and before that he had completed his prayer, he says that, Behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, son of Melchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother with her picture upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. I want you to keep this in mind. We will be referring to it just a little bit later on. He says, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And so as we see here that this damsel, she says, I will give you to drink, and I also will give your camels to drink, if you will do that. And so this was a fulfillment of his prayer being answered. This is the way we like to have our prayers answered. We like to ask God, and before we get through praying, 
We like to see them to be answered. Many times we pray and we ask time and time again, and it may be over a period of years before that God sees fit. But that does not mean that God does not hear or that he cannot answer prayer. He can hear, he does hear, and he answers in his own time. But God saw fit at this time to answer his prayer, and he sent this damsel to uh, draw water. Now also, as we look at this, we see him as he gives her some earrings and some bracelets, and he says, now I want you to come and to be my master's uh, wife, or to be the wife of my master's son. And so she thought about this thing, and she said, let's go back and uh, tell my people about this. And so as they go back, they set the table, they invited him in, they uh, fed his camel, took care of everything, and the meal was set before him. And Eliezer said, now before we eat, I want to give you my mission. I want to tell you uh, what I've come for. I'm not just here passing through, but I have a definite purpose. I've come for a particular reason. And so as he does, he says, now when I tell you this, then we will eat. We want to get our business settled first. And so as he rehearsed the thing, he says, now uh, I've come and I'm looking for a wife for my master's son. And so uh, as, as I have talked to this young lady, this is the one that uh, has met the requirements. God has heard and answered my prayer. Now, I believe in this that we can see that this was not a Jewess, that this woman, this young lady was not a Jewess, but this was before the Jews came onto the scene. I believe if you look, you'll find that it was in the line of, uh, out of the children of Israel, out of his seed, that we find the people that they become called Jews, and not at the time of uh, the selection of a wife for Isaac. And so I believe in this that we can see that this is a Gentile bride. But as this thing goes on, she consents, she agrees, and she's ready. And we see her as she's brought back and uh, is brought unto Isaac. And as they're traveling, getting ready, they see Isaac in the field. She covers herself, and then she's taken into the tent, and she becomes Isaac's wife. She uh, goes into her, his mother's tent, and uh, as we look at it, there were several of the maidens came with Rebekah, but I call your attention that there was only one that became a wife unto Isaac. And I believe that there's only one that's going to be the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not going to be all denominations, not all groups of people that call themselves churches, but there's one that he has selected and that he is choosing to be his bride. And there's only one kind of a bride that we see here. And this I believe and I know to be a fact that it is the bride, the church that the Lord Jesus Christ himself started while he was here on the face of the earth. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that he started it while that he was here on the earth. He didn't say, I'm going to do something and then did not fulfill it. I believe that he started it while that he was here on the face of the earth. Then also there are many other organizations. There are many that are called church. There are many called out assemblies, but they're not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then also as we look on that, uh, those in the church that they are saved, but they will not all make up the bride of Christ. A lot of people don't accept this, don't like it, but uh, nevertheless, I believe that it is the Baptist church. I believe that it's those that are a select few in the Baptist churches. And we'll point this out and give you some scripture on it. 
not all members of the uh, Baptist Church, not all your members, Brother uh, Turner, are going to be in the Bride of Christ. I, I think that it's going to be those that are faithful, those that are true, those that are dressed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look over in the book of the Revelation, uh, uh, in the third chapter and the fourth verse. He says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, not all of them are worthy. Not all of them that have not been defiled. He says, there are a few which have not been defiled. And as I read this, I believe that he's saying that these few that have not been defiled, that they are worthy and they're going to be in this. Revelation 3, 4, Brother Smith, that's what you're trying to get these notes on this. But I'll have a tape after this, but if you want to get a copy of it. But then also we find over in the book of the Revelation in the 19th chapter and verse 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8, Revelation 19. He says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And so in this, not all of them, I don't believe, that are going to be there. But those that are made ready, those that are in the fine linen and white, in the righteousness of the saints. And this is an imputed righteousness. Then also, as we look at this, that, uh, there's another thing that we call your attention to. And I believe that Israel is not going to be the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel is not going to be the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look back in the Old Testament, we find several places that it pictures Israel as an adulterous wife. In the book of Hosea, in the second chapter and verse 5, listen to what he says here. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, mine oil, and my drink. She was looking at the material things, and Israel was saying, I'll get them because these others have been able to give them to me. But later on in this very same chapter, we hear God says, you don't realize that I'm the one that has placed these material things in their hands that they might give them unto you. I'm the source behind the whole thing. And I want you to notice that uh, he's saying here that she was an adulterous one. And then on the, in the 19th verse, he says, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and loving kindness and in mercy. And then on over in the third chapter and uh, verses uh, three, 1 through 5, we read this. Then said the Lord unto me, Go, yet love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I brought her to me for fifty, or bought her uh, to me for fifteen pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and an half omer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide 
for me many days. And thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, as we look at this, uh, we realize that an adulterous wife, that this is not for the Son of God. We read and realize that this woman, Israel, has considered the wife of God the Father, and she is an adulterous woman. She's gone out, she sold herself into harlotry, and he has brought her back, he has brought her back uh, time and time again. But as we look at it, the Scripture teaches that the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be clean, she's to be pure, she's to be a virgin. Then another verse of scripture that I give you, and that is in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and the first verse. Look at this. He says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now, the scripture teaches us, I believe, as we look at it, we see that Israel is a wife of God the Father. Now, here in the days in which that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he's saying it is not the right thing for a son to have his father's wife. Looks to me like that a father has married another wife, and the son maybe is still at home or he's around, and he says that he's not to have an affair with his stepmother. Now, this is what it would be if, the, uh, if Israel were to be the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture teaches against it. God's not going to approve. God's not going to tolerate this thing in, the, in himself. He's not going to permit it. And so we see that this would not be, that Israel would not be the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then turn on over in 2 Corinthians, in the 11th chapter, and in verses 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, 1 and 2. He says, Would to God we could bear with, or ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am a jealous, uh, jealous over you with godly jealous. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now look at this. He says, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now I've heard all kinds of explanations. Some of you have preached on this. This word C-H-A-S-T is not C-H-A-S-T-E-D, chaste. And also in this here we find that it is one who is pure, one who is clean, one who has not defiled in any way. Now, I want us to go a little bit farther in this, and that is that there are some women who are virgins in the sense that they have never had relationship, sexual relation with a man, but they are not as this one. You say, what's the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is, that many of our young women have never had sexual relation with men, but the men know every part of their body. They've handled but here we see that it is pure, that it's chaste, it's clean, have not been touched by the hands of men. 
Now, as we look back into the verse of Scripture that I pointed out and called your attention to in the 16th chapter of the book, or 16th verse of the 24th chapter of Genesis, he says, A damsel very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. I believe that we see the same thing, the same type, the same picture being brought over here. Now, this ought not to be in the flesh, but God the Father is going to see that this does not take place in his wife for his son, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's another thing that I call your attention to, and that is that many people have the teaching or idea that the New Jerusalem itself is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe this. I don't believe that New Jerusalem is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the New Jerusalem is the place where the bride's going to dwell with the bridegroom. Now, look in the book of the Revelation, in the 21st chapter, and in verses 1 and 2. He says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This word as, I believe, means like, or uh, in the fashion, or in the manner. And as I think of a bride, as she prepares herself, she has all the beauty. Everything has to be just so-so. But he says this is like the New Jerusalem, is like, or he compares this. He doesn't say it is the bride. I see the bride, New Jerusalem, the bride itself. But I believe that he's saying that this is a likeness. You know how it is when some of you young ladies and you older ladies, when you were married, everything had to be just so-so. You had to have the right color. You had to have the right uh, the type of hairband, and you had to have your hair fixed in the right way. And so he says here that this is the way it was. The New Jerusalem was in this manner. And all the beauty and all the splendor, everything that we might imagine. And he says this is where that this is like the bride. And so when we see the church as the bride of Christ, this is going to have to be not just any old church, not just any type. It's going to be uh, clean. It's going to be pure. It's going to be like God can be pleased and God can be satisfied with. Then on over in the ninth verse of the same chapter, we read on through the ninth through the 27th verses. It describes this new Jerusalem. But as we look at it, where uh, he's going to take his bride, I believe this is where he's going to live with his bride. Now, remind you again that not all saved people are going to make up the bride. A lot of people say, well, brother, again, don't you think we're all going to heaven? I believe we're all going to heaven, but we're not all going to be in the bride. Just like all the maidens came with Rebecca, but not all of them were the bride of Isaac. And so not all the people are going to be there. We find that there are going to be some friends that will be gathered in. They're going to come. They're going to be there for the wedding. They're going to be there, and they're going to go in and out. But I believe that John the Baptist is one that is a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's not going to be uh, in, uh, he's not going to make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the church, and as we see John, he was preparing the material for the church that the Lord Jesus Christ started. Now, these things a lot of you may, may not agree with me, as I said, but that's all right. So all the friends are going to be there, but they're not all going to make up 
the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament saints, I believe they're going to be there. They're going to be guests. Then let me say this before some of you go out and say, Brother Ginn, don't believe anybody's going to heaven but Baptist. I didn't say that. And don't you go out and say that I did. I don't care what denomination it may be. If a person is saved by the grace of God, they're going to go to heaven. I don't care what denomination. They ought to get out of it. But nevertheless, they're going to be in heaven, but they're not going to be in the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are those that are saved during the tribulation, and I don't understand all about this, but I believe they're going to be as guests. They're not going to be in the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who are ready and those who have on the proper attire are going to make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then also we find that uh, by the blood of the Lamb, those that have on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have trusted him, those who have made themselves ready, those who are clean. Now look in the Second uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 20 and 21. He says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled, unto God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have his righteousness. We have the righteousness of God that we have received through the Lord Jesus Christ. Then also, I want us to realize that at the wedding and the wedding supper, that only two people take part in a wedding. You know, I never did see two women and one man get married. Now, some of you may have did see one, man, uh, one woman and two men to get married, but they're just two. In every marriage that I've ever had any part in, in fact, any that I've ever seen, only the bride and the bridegroom. Now, the wedding supper, as we look at it, is not just for... Uh, the bride and the groom, because as we look at it in an earthly sense, that most usually they don't, uh, they're not, they don't eat much, they don't have much to do with it. But it is for the friends. And then also another thing, that the bride never is invited to her own wedding. You know that? She's never invited to her own wedding. She's the one that uh, sends out the invitation. She's the one that says, we want you to come to uh, my wedding, want you to be here. In the book of the Revelation again, in the 19th chapter and verse 9, and he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. He says, Now what I want you to do is to write, the, And blessed are they which are called unto the marriage of the Lamb. I believe that these who are the friends are the ones that are invited. They're the ones that are called to the wedding. Now, in the book of Revelation, in the 17th chapter, and verses 1 through 6, we'll not take time to read this, but I believe that we can see the false bride, which would pretend to be the bride, that is going to be revealed here in the 17th chapter, in the verse six, first six verses. This is the one who would say, well, now, I'd like to be the bride, but they're not. This is a false church. They're going to be cast aside. They're going to be thrown over, and uh, they're not. 
the true bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not made righteous, the blood of the Lamb. They have not cleansed them. They're going to go into the torments of an eternal hell. These here that we read of in the 17th chapter. And then also as we look on, uh, we realize that in the book of Luke, and I'll not take time to read it, but in the 14th chapter, verse 16 through 24, we see the wedding supper, and there's many things can be pointed out in this, and also in the 22nd chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 14, there are many who are invited, but all have not responded. The invitation has gone out. The invitation is whosoever will, but all have not responded, and they're the ones that make up this false church here in the 17th chapter of the book of, of the Revelation. Then one other thing that we call your attention to, and that is that Christ is our high priest. Christ is our high priest. He cannot marry Israel because that Israel is the adulterous wife. And I read in the book of Leviticus where that Christ is, is our, not, not in here that he says that he's our high priest, but he is, the Lord Jesus is our high priest. But in the book of Leviticus, in the 21st chapter, verses 10, verses 13 and 14, now he says, And he that is high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing and the pouring, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow, or a divorced woman, or profane, or an harlot, these shall he not take, but he shall take a virgin of his own people to wife. And so this, I, in my mind, I can see this very clearly, that it had to be a virgin, it had to be of his own people, and certainly the church is the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when this wedding is over, uh, she becomes subject unto her husband and she becomes in subjection to her own husband, not somebody else's husband, or uh, she does not become subject to some other man, but it's unto her own husband. Now, in the book of the Songs of Solomon, we declares how that at first she refused, and then after he leaves that it is open unto her, and then she waits until that he comes back. And I believe that this is the way that we are today. We are waiting for the bridegroom. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, a time in which that he will come. And those that are ready, those who are looking for him, they're expecting him. They're the ones that he will receive. And so Jesus, the church, is the body, and Christ is the head, and Christ is in control of us. He is in charge of each one of us. We go back again to the book of Ephesians in the fifth chapter and verse 24. He says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Not just part of the way, but in every way. And then in the 27th verse we read this, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so his church, the one that makes up his church, the one that's going to be the bride, is those who are pure, those who are ready for his return. And so I'd say to you today, not this has come up in my mind, 
not in the sense that baptism has any part in salvation, but uh, I believe that uh, we need to, when a person is saved, they need to be obedient. They need to follow the Lord in baptism and be a member of the body, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to say, well, let's put it off for six months. Let's give them a testing period. Let us prove these things. And you know, whenever a person makes a profession of faith and give evidence of salvation, I'm ready to baptize them right then and there. They're part of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so baptism is essential to church membership, not to salvation. And so I encourage them to follow the Lord. Be obedient unto him. And when the Lord comes back, I'm going to go to be with him. I'm going to be in that body that makes up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.